Hello and welcome. I uh, hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend and you were able to be with some family and friends and remember those who have served, those women and men who gave their lives for for what, what we have today. And so I hope that was good. I got to go see my family and I was super excited to see them. So today we're going to start in on the first lesson of the summer encounter. I'm super excited about that. Uh, Dr. Qualls and Dr. D have given us uh, 13 lessons in the study of the Psalms that I hope will encourage and enrich your your faith. Um, before we get into that, there's a couple things I wanted to share with you. Uh, coming up this summer, we're going to have Children's Fest. We're going to do it a little differently than we have in the past, but if you go to cpcmc.org forward slash Children's Fest, um, you will get all the information that you need uh, to uh, get your church going with Children's Fest. It's all going to be a virtual event. So in your church, you can have uh, CP or Children's Fest. All right, here's all your information, registration information, preparing for it, the local project you can do, uh, what you're going to need for the Internet. Uh, there's no cost involved. Uh, there is no registration fee, so remember that. Uh, the recommended age of uh, participation uh, was uh, kindergarten through sixth grade in mind, so that, but that's up to you, and you can probably customize or whatnot. Uh, but anyway, go to cpcmc.org forward slash children's fest and you can register your church there and make sure you get all the links for all the videos and these kinds of things. Uh, we uh, are very proud of this and so I hope you get to join in. Also coming up, for a lot of presbyteries who are not having uh, camps or things to do, well, there's a good idea. If you go to cpcmc.org forward slash youth hyphen ministries, so cpcmc.org youth uh, hyphen ministries, you'll get to this page right here and you'll see the CPC Youth Day of Service. Um, we're planning it on July 24th and so this is hopefully we're going to get a lot of youth groups and we're going to have a Cumberland Presbyterian Youth Day of Service. Click on that and you'll get the information. We've partnered with YouthWorks and here you'll have a free curriculum plus a day of service guide. So if your church or a couple churches want to get together and, and offer a day of service and learn a little bit more about Jesus and ministry to our neighbors, then this would be a good thing to do. So again, you can contact Nathan Wheeler on that one. For Children's Fest, you can contact uh, Jody Rush. That's jrush at cumberland.org. And then for the Youth Works, uh, this is for your middle school and high school, uh, you can contact Nathan Wheeler. That's nwheeler at cumberland.org. So make sure you get to do that if you can. All right. So back to what we are going to do. So... Um, we start the summer off with Psalm 1. We're talking about the two ways, right? It's a tree planted by the water whose fruit uh, comes in in due season or opposed to some tree that dries up and its leaves fall and is non-productive. We, we're introducing the Psalms and in, in, in kind of a reoccurring theme about two ways, right? Sometimes it's called the path of folly. Sometimes it's called the path of wisdom. Sometimes it's the path of sinners as opposed to those who delight in the law of the Lord and so that's the way we're starting out this summer that sets up a way of um, a way of living one that is productive and bears fruit and one that's not productive and doesn't bear fruit um, so there we go uh, Dr. Qualls is the writer for lessons 1 through 11 and then Dr. D is 12 through 13 but in his introduction um, Dr. Qualls talks about how uh, the Psalms are formative, right? We don't read them like we would a textbook. We don't uh, exegete them in the same way we might exegete a theological passage from Paul or Isaiah, but instead 
you read those and you let it form you. So here's, he gave an example from Dr. Virgil Todd and his wife. One of the examples I had was early in my ministry. Um, I wasn't very good at sitting in hospital rooms and watching people die. It was not my thing. Of course, what 20-some-year-old is really good at that. Uh, but there was one lady particularly. When I came over, she wanted me to read Psalm 23. Every single time, she wanted me to read Psalm 23. And so I would read it, and I would say, you know, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, leaveth me beside still waters. And I would read through this, <clears throat> and... Uh, and it would be multiple times. After I got done reading, she would want me to read it again. And this happened, you know, every week. Uh, and then I realized what she was doing was she was appropriating those promises before she died. Uh, she wanted to hear the promises of God. And in so doing, it gave her strength, it gave her faith, and she could look into the unknown uh, with a little more knowledge. And so that's the way the Psalms work. They're formative uh, to us in our hearts. Um, and like Dr. Qual says, I love what he says, he says it's a memory, it's language, it's imagination. It's, so when we read the Psalms, we construct in our mind how to think. I mean, it creates a, a beautiful world in our mind when we memorize and take in the Psalms, like the Lord is my shepherd, or bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you memorize these things, it forms and shapes your brain to think heavenly and imaginatively about God and and so they're important to do, but that's one of the that's one of the ways the Psalms guides us in wisdom is it burnishes our mind with beauty and it takes out maybe some of the junk that we put in there and it replaces it with beautiful language and beautiful images, beautiful pictures. Uh, and then it and as we memorize it they serve as a liturgy. Right? So every morning some of these psalms were recited by the Jewish folks. So every morning you were reciting these things and it became a liturgy and uh memory and muscle memory and so your life began to be centered around uh, these songs. And also it connects you with God. It instructs you on your feelings with God a lot of times. This is what the Psalms do. You learn that God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and these things. But you, you're able in the Psalms to see the range of emotions from anger to despair to joy to worship to all these things. And it helps, helps us see how we can connect with God languages that we use when we're deeply saddened or when we're angry or when we're happy and overflowing with joy and whatnot but that's um uh, that's what the psalms are going to do for us <clears throat> so the historical setting uh, on these things is that uh, back in the day the psalter or the book of psalms was used as a hymn book and so like our hymnal they would go to you know number you know, 122, and then we'll, we'll sing it. It's almost like, uh, for those of you who aren't <clears throat> choir people, uh, you might not even know in the back of your hymnal, there's like an index, and it'll say like assurance or worship or holiness or whatever, and you can go in that index, and you can find hymns that you can then pick um, for your worship service. In the very same way, the songs are broken up in different categories. You have songs of lamentation or songs of joy, songs of ascent, uh, these kinds of things. And so these were used just like a hymnal would be today in worship services or in personal devotion. Uh, you would be able to go to whatever psalm and recite it, think about it, meditate on it. Um, sorry, having technical difficulties there. I love working at home. 
Um, <clears throat> but anyway, the other thing that these psalms do, there were plenty of psalms written um, back in the day, but how did, how did 1 through 150 get in there? And it's because over the years, these psalms have shown their grip. They have, um, they have shown that they uh, give value to the worshiping community. Uh, just in, in general, um, contemporary music. When I was in Bible college, somebody asked one of my professors, how do you know if, if, a, good, if a new hymn is good? And he said, well, wait 300 years and see if they're in hymnals and see if people are still using them. And so the psalms that we have have been time-tested. In some way, shape, or form, they have ministered to the worshiping community, and they give wisdom, and they give instruction in, in such a way that we have these psalms that have been preserved and handed down from generation to generation. And they've shown their worth by the, their use, right? The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Um, also, Dr. Qualls talks about how psalms evoke and provoke uh, different emotions. And I think that's right. Like, it's in the psalms that um, we're shaken from a normal way of life and into an inspired way of life. Or, or it brings out of us different emotions. And so... Um, they're worthy to be studied for just that. It shakes us out of our normal everyday stuff and evokes and provokes us. In the digging deeper section, again, we talk about the two ways. I mean, in Scripture from the very beginning, you had an obedience or disobedience. That was a path, a way of life, and the way of death is what Moses oftentimes call it. Again, in the Psalms, you have the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. In Proverbs, you talk about a path of folly or a path of wisdom. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount ends by saying, look, you got two choices. You can either hear my words and put them into practice and you're like a person who's built their house upon the rock or you can be someone who hears the words but do not uh, put them into practice and you're like somebody who builds your house and life upon the sand and when the rains and the storms come, your house is going to crash, your life is going to crash. Um, Jesus says, talks about a, you know, the narrow path or the, or the great way, right? the big gate or the narrow gate. And then Paul talks about living by the flesh or living by the spirit. It's all these same things is what uh, is going on. There's just a certain way that God has ordained that's good and will lead to good things and will lead to good fruit. Or there's ways that seem right unto human beings, but ultimately ends in death. And so, uh, which leads us to the learning from the scripture section. Uh, the image is, is that if you're living in communion with God, you bear fruit, right? And if you're bearing fruit, then you're not only good for yourself, you're good for God, you're good for your neighbors, and then everyone can come to you uh, to be connected with God to, because you've borne Christ fruit, if you will. Um, but then the opposite of that is, if you're someone who is not bearing fruit, then you are using all your energy and resources simply to keep you going, and you don't get to uh, share because you don't have anything to share with. Or, and you're constantly taking, right? Like you're taking as much as you can and you're not giving. And so uh, Jesus uh, in the gospel, you know, there's this weird, it's kind of a weird passage where he goes and he's trying to see the fig tree and the fig tree's bearing no fruit and he curses the fig tree because it's not bearing fruit. And it's a metaphor for um, those, of us, those of us in the faith that uh, we're not bearing fruit. We're, we're, we look like we're, Christians, or we look like we're worshipers, but when somebody comes for for fruit, it's not there. Um, so, and then applying the scripture, um, 
you know, each Dr. Qualls brings up that every decision you make, it's a, it's a path to somewhere, right? Like you've probably heard the sermon illustration about if you're off at the beginning, just even a little degree given time, you're going to be miles away from the goal. I've always I've told one of my children that a train will reach its destination, right? So if you if you set off on a path, you're going to reach it. Like eventually you'll get there. Uh, a, a train track is set. You're going to go. And the only way then you can get away or if you see danger ahead, the only way is if you get off on an exit, right? And, but it makes a, it's repentance or it's following a different path. And so that's, you know, a train will reach its destination. So if you're planted somewhere and you're thinking, I'm going to make it, you will make it. Uh, that's. But the Psalms also offer, if you've been on a path of folly or if you're in a path of death, they offer a way in which you can uh, get off that track and that you can turn to a different path in a different way. So what I want to do today to kind of finish things up is um, I've got a little clip here of um, Dr. Qualls and Dr. D talking about wisdom. So I'm going to share that with you now. And so in the first four lessons of the uh, summer encounter, that's the month of June, Psalms kind of opens its opens the book with Psalm 1 about two ways you can live. It's what scripture would call a way of wisdom or the way of folly or ignorance, however you'd like to say it. And so um, I think I just want to open up the discussion to you two guys to just say, how does the Psalms help us in understanding wisdom? And how do the Psalms just present wisdom to us? What is wisdom? Because I'm thinking in our world today, you probably have two different understandings of wisdom, either wisdom from above or streetwise or, you know, common sense. What, what does all this mean? But you can answer that any way you want to, but specifically, how can we uh, use the Psalms in gaining wisdom from God? Uh, I'll jump in and, and just uh, get us started off. Uh, I am aware and, and many people who will read the lessons will be aware that, uh, the Hebrew people didn't invent wisdom literature. Wisdom literature existed uh, in, the, in the broader culture, but the Hebrews uh, understood wisdom literature, including the Psalms, as a, um, as a revelation, as divine revelation of uh, who God is and what God is doing in the world and how specifically God is entering into their life experience. And so uh, while I would not have chosen the specific Psalms that we ultimately uh, <laughs> for our lessons. <laughs> uh, it's like the lectionary. Sometimes it's very good discipline to just go to, to, to you know, be forced to go to places you wouldn't go. So, yes, wisdom and righteousness or our wisdom and foolishness or um, the way of righteousness as opposed to uh, the way of wickedness. Uh, those are synonymous through uh, from the Hebrew uh, wisdom literature. They're just two, they're two, it's a, it's, I don't have a binary understanding of the world, but I think to, to really clearly understand the Hebrew world, you have to understand that you chose one path or the other path. And so the way of wickedness or the way of foolishness, uh, which might seem apparent, as uh, uh, Jesus would say, apparent makes it look like a good path, but it doesn't lead where we think it would lead we, where we want the bright uh, neon lights that, that, that wave and, and focus us in this direction 
will not lead to the life of fulfillment, happiness, and ultimate uh, relationship with Yahweh. And so for the Hebrew, those are the two choices, a life, and, and the other way of saying it is life of Yahweh's path or life of your own choosing. And uh, so that's, I don't, I can speak all day. He can go all day with it. Yeah. Uh, Dr. D, I know you you said that you come from Nigeria. So, is there a difference in how you you've seen the American Church understand biblical wisdom, revelation, and how you were taught or learned growing up? Or, um... Yeah, there is. There is. I mean, it's it's different, and the difference came uh, over time. Um, it's like what is going on now. If I want if I want to look at it from the contemporary view. Uh, Nigeria and developing countries in terms of um, talk of faith, it's a different ball of game altogether. It's like there has been a shift over the past few years uh, from talking about wisdom today. And uh, uh, like we said, wisdom is either from the area of um, two kinds of people that, that live in the world, uh, either the wise people or the foolish people. And um, like I normally say, when we talk about uh, wisdom or being wise or being foolish, um, it's either we know. I, I normally say that uh, two kinds of people live in the world, those that know and those that do not know. Uh, those that know uh, may be wise, and those that know may know that they do not know. In other words, people that are really foolish are people that uh, do not know and are not aware that they do not know. So, talking of self-awareness. So, I look at Psalms that we are looking at today uh, from the perspective of it's either I know or I don't know. And when I don't know, I should know that I don't know. So that knowing that I don't know, I can be open to know what I need to know. And when we look at it from God's revelation and man's revelation, speak revelation, we need to allow to know God's mind so that it can lead us for us to be able to interpret to what we are going on in our day-to-day -day world. Uh, talking about difference in uh, Nigeria, Africa, and here, uh, generally in terms of uh, faith, uh, it seems as if there has been a, a paradox, a, a shift. Uh, I will say from my experience living here now that Christians in this part of the world live as Christians, they live in reality of day to day. Christians in developing countries live in a kind of what I would call utopia, what they think ought to be or what had been in the past, not what is right, what they're experiencing in the now. It's like uh, talking about uh, we're looking for the coming Messiah. I mean, not seeing the fact that Messiah is already here. I mean looking for God, not looking at the environment to see that God is already in this environment. It's like, how do we relate with this God? How do we uh, put ourselves in the hands of God that God, this is who I am. There is no pretense. You are my creator. You are my maker. So I can't hide anything from you. Like the Sami will say, where will I hide from God? If I go, first part of the earth is there. If I go up, is there. Wherever I go, is there. So why not let us be who we are, like um, uh, part of what we'll be talking about today is uh, lamentation, that when we are wrong, when we sin, why don't you want to be straightforward with God and with ourselves that, God, I messed up, I missed it, have mercy on me. Don't let me be like Dr. Quartz and just keep on going on and on. <laughs>
it's what you get when you get a couple of people who like to think about stuff. That, that's the way it works. Um, one of the things that I'd noticed just after I, when I took this job, I stopped preaching every Sunday at one church and I, I got into scripture and I just noticed from the Old Testament, whether it's in the, the first five books or if it's the prophets or wisdom literature in the New Testament, this theme of the two ways, knowledge or wisdom and folly, just go throughout. Like Jesus talks about, you know, a foundation of sand or a foundation of rock. Paul says, you know, live life by the spirit or live life by the flesh. But just in every single, just in every single section of the scriptures, there's this two ways presented. And it's either the way of, of, of wisdom or it's the way of folly. And so um, I've, I've appreciated studying that and hearing it. I guess what I heard from both of you is, is that wisdom is knowing the mind of God. And the only way that we know the mind of God is through revelation. Is that, I mean, to, to submit to God, either through scripture or in prayer or whatnot. And we, we try to put on the mind of God in some way. Uh, yes. One of the things I say is you can't learn how to swim without getting wet. Uh, our, our diving in, is part of the knowing. You can't know and then and then move forward. You have to. It's the the act of faith and and the knowing comes hand in hand. And I think that, as you say, it's that's consistent through scripture uh, all the way to the end. I talk about it in one of the psalms that I wrote about. And frankly, it's been a long time, so <laughs> I don't really remember for sure which one or what. But I talk about the the two worlds. The unseen world that is every much as present and important as the world of our senses, um, and yet it requires us to learn how to navigate in that new world. I believe I used the example where my wife nearly was run down by an, an automobile that was traveling in the wrong lane when we were in Japan, because in our worldview, that's everybody knows what side of the road you're supposed to drive on but it's it's exactly the opposite in that world and so navigating the spiritual world the world of knowing god uh, you know means that we have to recognize that there's another an, another set of par another set of paradigms another set of um, guidelines and be as i think the word you just submit be willing to submit to the rules of engagement that apply in that other world uh, and that's part of our study I just love that we go into the Psalms uh, I, uh, because they give us an opportunity to see that other world. That's what I think the psalmists have done. Yes, there are laments. There are, there's cries of anger. There everything that human spirit feels. Um, but, but they invite us to come aside from what we know and begin to learn this other way, this other world. I think that's I a good, like, good way. I would like to add quickly to that, just sure. uh, uh, affirming what uh, uh, Dr. Mike just said, that uh, we have to be open to uh, let ourselves go, to be vulnerable to with God, and not put up all this wall that, okay, I know these, I know that, I've done these, I've done that. Uh, we should come to God with a open heart that, God, what do I need to know now? Like, when we look through some, we see the motive of, uh, God, this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. I'm studying your word. I've done that. Teach me. <laughs> In other words, I've been able to do this, but I don't know whether I'm doing it right or wrong. Let me know the right thing to do. So we, 
ought to approach God with an open heart of, I need to know God better, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Thank you. Very good. I think it's James, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask, God will give it, right? So, all right, so that's our first lesson. Uh, throughout the next couple weeks, uh, we'll be having little video clips from that interview that I did with uh, Dr. D and Dr. Qualls. So um, look forward to it. Again, remember that you can subscribe to a little newsletter that gives you some more um, resources and information for your lesson at cpcmc.org forward slash encounter or encounter helps, cpcmc.org forward slash encounter helps. Either way, you'll see a little place where you can submit your email. So if you're a teacher or if you see this and you want to recommend it to your teacher, if you just want to do it, uh, sign up. But again, thanks and looking forward to the Psalms. Looking forward to your interactions with me. Uh, let me know. We'd love to pass along the kudos to the writers. So if you have a lesson that you're really struck by, let me know. Uh, so cfleming at cumberland.org. And again, may the Lord bless you and your church and your teaching ministry. And we're all in this together and we're going to make this encounter the best resource we can for our Cumberland Presbyterian churches. So God bless you.